and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Angelica Malone, and you're listening to the American Midwife Series. This podcast is a listen-in on the conversations I have with midwives about the work they do and the people they serve. Today, I'm chatting with Tamika Fortin, a midwife located in Tacoma, Washington, and she also, in addition to being a midwife, is the creator of Timber Creek Farm and Forest School, a nature immersion school um, and day camp. So we're going to chat with her about what it's like to be a midwife in Tacoma, her path to midwifery, um, her family. She has a beautiful big family and I just want you to get a taste of what it's like to be a midwife here in Washington State and just the different ways in which a midwife can live and work and be. And so let's get into the podcast. Hi, Tamika. Well, hello. <laughs> How are you? I am doing awesome. I'm really excited to be talking to you. <laughs> I'm excited to chat with you too. Okay, so we can just go ahead and jump right in. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Okay, so just can you introduce yourself and just give us like a little, you know, elevator pitch about who Tamika is and you know what you do where you live that kind of stuff and then yes. we'll get into the questions yes absolutely so my name is Tamika Fortin and I live in beautiful Washington um, I'm a licensed midwife a certified professional midwife a soma structural integration practitioner and a somatic educator and um, I use all of those things to serve um, my, my clients in, in my role with them as their midwife. Nice. And you're a mother as well, right? My, yes, I am a mother. Yes, I have five kids. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> How I am old a, are your kids? Um, the oldest is, um, I have to get used to saying it. he's almost 17 years old. Oh, my goodness. And then the youngest, who is um, the only girl, she is 11. Wow. Yeah. If you have, I, I just kind of scoped you out a bit on Facebook. I don't have Facebook, but I, but I found you on Facebook. So it looks like you have um, boys and just, you said just one girl, right? Yep. Four boys and a girl. Mm -hmm. That sounds so busy, but exciting as well. It is. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. I'm, I'm always just... I'm always just really awed in how much hope people have for the world and how much people just want to have their babies and want to have big families. Mm -hmm. I've served families that have seven, eight, nine kids and it's kind of crazy, but at the same time, it's like they, they also are hoping that they're making a difference for the future, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. It's a really powerful thing. Okay. So can you tell me a bit about what a SOMA practitioner is and an educator just in case anyone's never heard of it and I oh, have an idea but I want to oh, make sure I'm absolutely absolutely so soma structural integration is a form of body work that helps align the body and it really recognizes the connection between the mind and the body and that we all hold trauma in our bodies we all hold things that um that sometimes need to be need to be moved and need to be moved through and so soma structural integration is a body work that serves that and a somatic educator is someone who kind of studies the way that the body moves and how it can move more efficiently just to add 
levity to, to your life. Um, because how we move through life actually physically impacts how we move through life emotionally as well. That's so, that's so true. How did you come to do that? Before we get jump into midwifery, can you tell me a bit about how you came to that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So through being a midwife, like when I started midwifery, so I've been involved in midwifery for, uh, in childbirth for about 15 years now. And when I started off, I started, I think really pretty traditional. So I practice a little bit more medically and I really didn't give total informed consent because I had a bias towards my clients choosing to do some tests, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. kind of a personal thing. And as I've evolved as a midwife, I started to notice things. And um, some of the things that I started to notice were just the postures of moms when they came into the office. I started to pay more attention to the things that they were telling me about their personal relationships. Um, Some people, you know, as I, as I spent more time as a midwife and I think I got more comfortable being really, really honest with people myself, it created a way for them to be honest with me. And so um, there's a lot of women that have suffered trauma in their life that, that really affects them and they don't always know how to move through it. And so I started looking into um, somatic therapies. I looked into going back to school and getting my, um, my degree in counseling because I thought, wow, this is something that I would really, really love to help women with. And then I fell on somatic exercises and somatic type therapies and structural integration. And that's how I learned about how we hold things in the body and how birth is like shoving you into feeling all the things. Yeah. And That's so, so very true. <laughs> yeah, I and, have a, I have it. So go ahead. I'll say it at the end. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say, so it's just, yeah, it, it's just, it's a powerful thing. And so I was seeing that happening with women. And so it got me closer and closer to, wow, you know, some women are having um, struggles with postpartum depression and, and, um, intimacy issues with their partner and problems connecting with their babies. And sometimes it was because through that experience, you are just pushed into feeling all the feelings, all feelings. And sometimes we're able to support ourselves through that. And sometimes we just, we need, we need more support. And, um, there's everybody, everybody has different ways of getting that support. Um, but, um, with, with movement-based exercises and body work, it can really, really help to have you find that for yourself. So it's not someone diagnosing you with anything. It's not anyone really giving you any answers. It's really somebody who's working with you in such a way that that you can, through feeling it within yourself, um, find find what you need. Find what you need. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful, and I. I think that it's really nice when someone can kind of feel like they've found solutions and they were a core part of it, as opposed to someone, like you said, diagnosing them and then providing them with a treatment or, you know, treatment plan or something like that. It, it seems like if you were to ever go through an experience again, you almost need that person again. And you almost need that exact, you know, diagnosis or something like that. You never feel capable of helping yourself in the future. I feel like, um, and yeah. the way that you're describing soma practice, it seems much more 
um, I don't really like the term empowering, but you're providing them with the resources to support themselves, not just in the healing at the moment, but maybe even in the future, or maybe even avoiding some of the stress or um, the tension that they're holding on to. Yes, yes, that is that is exactly it. Mm-hmm. I think I have a friend who, or I know of a woman who's kind of connected through social media who does that. Uh, her name is Kimberly Johnson, and she wrote the book, The Fourth Trimester. Do you know her? Have you heard of her? I have heard of her, but I don't know her. <laughs> does she do the same thing? Um, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Cause I just know the name as okay. if I heard it with some field, but I kind of float in the birthy world and the body work world. And so sometimes I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just was like, when you said Soma practitioner, I was like, oh, I think I know someone who does that. Yeah. I think she goes by like Maga Mama or something like that. On oh, but, <laughs> yeah. So can you tell me a bit how you came to midwifery if you want to, if you'd like go way back 15 years ago or even how you got into birth work and then if that kind of leads into the story of how you came to midwifery. Oh. Could you share that? Yeah, definitely. So I had my first son when I was 18 years old. And for me, I'm a very simple person in a certain respect. And so at 18 years old, I didn't necessarily feel it was naive to think that I was going to go into a place, they were going to support me, they're going to encourage me to, to help me birth my baby in the way that nature intended, like that it was meant to be. I, I didn't know that I was naive to think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone. You're not alone. That at all, was really, that experience coming out of it, even at 18 years old, I knew that that was not okay. And that was not how it should be. And that young women, any woman should, should know what all of her options are. All of her choices are. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's the only way that, that we can, you know, have our autonomy is making the choice that is right for us at the time. And Where did you give birth? So my first son was born, he was born here in Washington. Um, I won't, I won't give any hospital names, but are you here? Are you, I was wondering if it was here in Washington, were you somewhere else? Are you from Tacoma? It was here in Washington. No, my dad was in the military. So we moved all over Hawaii, Kentucky, Texas. Yeah. So I grew up all over the place, but the last place was here in Washington. And then I stayed here when my parents and my brothers went overseas. Oh, wow. So my parents are military as well. And my husband's in the Coast Guard now. And I grew up living oh. all over. Oh, Thank yeah. You. <laughs> you know all about it. <laughs> I do. Yeah. We've lived, um, we lived all up and down the East Coast. We lived in Guam. We lived in um, Italy and Japan. And now I'm, so. I was in the military. And now I'm, we're here with my husband. He's stationed here. So I do. Wow. I understand that feeling. That is awesome. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so you're telling us how you came to midwifery. You had your birth, your first birthday, eighteen, mm-hmm. and you just knew that that was not not the way that it should be. Yes, yes. I mean, and then people thought it was naive of me to think that that's not the way it should be. Like I couldn't, I couldn't get <laughs> any positivity. And um, for me at that time, I just really felt like, like, yeah. And so from there, I became a doula. Um, and a childbirth educator 
And I kind of just dabbled. I never really did like a ton of advertising. Like I like to talk to people. I like to get to know people. I like to serve people. And then someone, um, you know, they, they tell someone about it. You know, oh, I like to make a really personal relationship with people. And so that's kind of how I was a doula and a childbirth educator. It was just kind of through connecting and connecting to more and more people. And then I got pregnant for the second time and um, I decided to use a midwife and have an out of hospital birth. And I just, I went to a birth as a doula um, just prior to my son being born um, a few months prior. And I just, I was in the hospital again and I was just really hearing the, the way that things were communicated to the mom and the family and just how much loss was going to come out of something that could have been, you know, a life-changing, beautiful, positive, affirmative experience. Mm -hmm. And so I was pregnant with my second son. I went to that birth as a doula and I just said, I, I need to be a midwife. That, I, that's what I need to do <laughs> because if I, you know, could help guide any woman towards the most positive experience possible for her, which means that I have met with clients before and we've talked and we've gotten to know each other. And I felt this pull and this sway that there was some lack of just lack of, of trust in the process mm -hmm. that you sometimes have to refer them, you know, and guide them down a little bit of a different path. And, and, and then they know they have the choice. And once yeah, they know they, they know they had options, they know that the choice is there, that nobody is trying to force anybody to do anything or make any choice over another. It's really about empowering the family, the mother, especially to know what she knows is best for her. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I, that's why I love midwifery. That's why I love serving um, in that capacity, because it's, it's really it's the beginning of, of someone who's going to be raising a whole new life, a whole new generation. And if somebody can, can support her in such a way that she can be her best self, and it's also supporting the supporter and helping me to be my best self, because I know that what I'm giving is, is really so honest, and it's helping somebody else to be honest. And it's just, I, I find that to be just a really, really uh, incredible, incredible gift between, you know, going both ways. And, and that's why I love, that's why I love midwifery, really, really honoring women as women being wise um, beyond their understanding, beyond their comprehension, you know? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think something I've heard you say twice is kind of midwifery is honest. And I think, I would agree with that. And I, I'm a new student midwife. And the last time we were learning skills, we were doing Leopold's maneuvers, or we were learning how to feel for the, the position location of the baby. And I realized like, as I'm standing there, touching this person's belly, mm -hmm. you're looking them right in the eye, and they're looking right at you in the eyes. And they're looking for how comfortable you feel. 
They're looking to see what movements you make with your face and how you move your body and how you touch them. And midwifery is something where you just cannot lie, you know, or it's very hard to lie. You have to be someone who's like intentionally saying, I'm going to stand in front of this person and be someone I'm not because it's such a field where it's not meant to be that way. It is such a personal, intimate experience between the practitioner or the, you know, the person who's serving the pregnant woman um, and the pregnant woman. It's just, you have to be fully present and you have to be honest. And, you know, that could at times mean you have to tell them something really difficult, but at the same time, it's, you know, if you're feeling something and it makes you excited to share in that excitement with them, it's not a profession where you can, interact with the other person and just not be your authentic self at least that's how I begin to feel about being a midwife is it's just such an honest profession where there's so much vulnerability between the two people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes yeah so, yeah so you went to that last birth and you began to see you know the interactions and the conversations that were being had in front of the family and what were you thinking and how did that play a part in your, your pathway to becoming, yeah. you said it, it just, it just let me know that there, that there had to be, you know, you know, something just way, way more respectful, you know, way more honest, way more primal, way more natural, you know? Um, so I got a phone call. I started thinking about it and then I got a phone call from a local, um, very, very, you know, honored and respected midwife in the community. Her name was Tony Erickson. And I got a call from her and she said, Hey kid, I heard you were, you were talking about being a midwife and would you like to come over here and help me in Enumclaw? And I was like, Oh my goodness, are you serious? I thought that was the most just incredible thing ever. And so um, I spent a number of years uh, with Tony and um, what I realize now as I'm have made my practice way, way more holistic and way more, um, personal. Um, what I really realized in the last year was that Tony was one of the most kind and compassionate people that I had personally ever met in my life. Mm -hmm. And what I recognize now is that being with her really helped me really see some of the best qualities of myself Mm -hmm. and that is really I think what my time with her was was ultimately kind of meant for because that is truly what I want to bring into my midwifery practice and my body work practice and my women's circles is that feeling of being with someone and being with others who make you feel like your best self, like the decision that you make is a wise decision. Mm-hmm. Like you have the ability to find things out. If you want to know, you have the power in your life to make choices that are meaningful to you. Yeah. And when I spent my time with Tony, she always just respected me as the student midwife, my, my opinion about a situation. If she kind of you know, said what she thought. And I kind of said what I thought. And she just loved everyone. I mean, the depth of, of her compassion was not lost on anyone in the community. And that's, I feel like that's 
that's what I really brought from my midwifery training with Tony. Um, I also spent time at a birth center in Texas called Casa de Nacimiento. They'd been open there since like, oh goodness, 1986. And um, they closed not that long ago. There was um, an article in the New York Times about their closing because they, they really, really um, introduced, you know, low risk birth and giving, giving a healthy, natural birth. That's something that they really brought to El Paso. Um, they have soaring cesarean section rates down there. And it really gave, gave women an option, a very, very awesome option um, to have their baby safely and normally and naturally. Um, but they closed, maybe it's been like seven years now. Um, but I went wow. there, I spent, yeah, I spent a few um, months there. And um, that was an amazing experience. I got to meet a lot of a lot of women, a lot of really beautiful families and learn from um, a midwife from Brazil. She was a, a Portuguese midwife from Brazil. Um, there was a gal, Laverne, who was from Jamaica. So she was a midwife who had been um, trained in Jamaica and then uh, the owner, and she had been serving the community there for goodness, 35 years, Linda Arnold. Um, and also her daughter was also there. So there was just this beautiful mix of different ways of, of practicing that I learned from them. I wasn't there very long, but I was there enough to see how they all interacted and most importantly, how they all looked at the women and the families that they were serving. I mean, they were really honoring them, supporting them. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, the families, I mean, I made a couple of lifelong friends of families from there whose births that I went to that you know, they live in Mexico and um, it's, yeah, there was really powerful connections made there for me. Um, so that was another part of my training that I did. And then um, I also birth assisted for another local midwife here um, who had a birth center and she was really busy. And so just getting to see how all these different midwives used what, you know, what their gift is, you know, yeah. in being with women. Um, so they all brought their gift. And so I got to, you know, it was, I was given many presents um, from all of their, their gifts that they, that they served women with. And so I learned from, I learned from, yeah, from a lot of different, a lot of different midwives and a lot of different, different styles. And um, it went over a period of years. I mean, I think I, um, I think I've had my CPM for, uh, I think 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh yeah and then more recently got my midwifery license that's hasn't been hasn't been as long as i've had my cpm um yeah. so i wanted to jump in and ask you a question when you first decided that you wanted to become a midwife and you got that call from mm -hmm. from the midwife in mm -hmm. in enum mm -hmm. did you decide that you wanted to go through some kind of training program or you just wanted to apprentice with her what what, what did you do and maybe did it change or evolve over the years? Yeah, well, I first, I started off going to Midwives College of Utah. Well, that's where I ended up getting my degree from is Midwives College of Utah. They're one of the oldest, um, the oldest accredited midwifery schools in the United States. And they're really awesome. I know they've changed a lot since I went there, but um, some of the students that I've had are coming from Midwives College of Utah and they're just Again, people that I've made friendships with, they're, they're awesome. There's just a lot of, 
there's a lot of passion right now for midwifery, for being with women. Um, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so anyhow, so I started there and then I started my apprenticeship with Tony. Um, I, I don't even remember kind of the timeline of when I went to Texas and all of those. I don't remember the exact timeline, but, um, but I had committed to going to Midwives College of Utah and then I um, started with Tony and just built, you know, went through whatever classes I was supposed to do and however many clinicals I was supposed to have. Well, then at some point in there, I don't remember exactly how it came to be. I had gotten my CPM, so I was a certified professional midwife. Um, And so I had my CPM and I wanted to get licensed. And somewhere in there, I got, um, I got, knowledge of this house bill that was being sent around and they were trying to make it uh, make an educational pathway uh, or not an educational pathway a licensing pathway for midwives who were already cpm so that they could become licensed midwives um and so bridge the bridge bridge program yeah that's the bridge program so i connected with some people i you know, went to the Capitol and spoke on legislation to get that passed. And so that's actually how I ended up getting my license was I was one of the first midwives licensed under that CPM bridge program through, through the state. So that was really awesome to be a part of that. And um, it makes it a lot more feasible for, um, for more women who are interested in midwifery to become midwives, because it leaves a lot of flexibility um in, in different educational routes and how you can become. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good point to, to, to make um, in case anyone's listening who is not super familiar with the different pathways to becoming a midwife in the U.S. for the CPM route. And um, Tanika, you can correct me if I get this wrong, but there are a few different schools. Well, there's quite a few different schools or training programs that someone can um, be in to become a midwife, but certain states, and then you can also, so you can be in a different program, all these different programs, and then take the NARM exam and become a CPM, so nationally recognized midwife. But to become a licensed midwife in your state, your state might have additional education or training or skills requirements that were not a part of the training that you took. And mm-hmm. so they have the bridge program in, in certain states, I believe, it may be all, all oh, I'm not sure. There are certain states that have the bridge program that allow you to fill in that gap. So if there's something that they think that you should know or that they want you to um, go through and learn or whatever it might be, you can do this bridge, this bridge program and become licensed in your state. Is that right, Tanika? That is right. That's spot on. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's something I think students would be really interested in as they're looking at the different programs out there. Some people are asking me like, what is the difference between, you know, going to Midwife College of Utah or um, Maternidad La Luz or you know, these different programs that are out there. Um, and that's something I think everyone should take into account is, you know, how long are you planning to, you know, how long can you be a part of this? You know, are you okay with needing to do a bridge program? Are you looking for something that's more flexible and works with your family life? Are you looking for something more rigorous and, you know, you're guaranteed to be a CPM and a licensed by by this period of time or whatever it may be. So I'm really glad that you, you brought that up and you touched on it. There's another thing I wanted to ask you 
mm-hmm. when you were doing this and you, you know, you said you started off with Midwife College of Utah and then you, you know, you went to Casa de Nacimiento and you were with different midwives there and you had at least your two children at the time. What was your support system like during that time? Um, I know you're, you have, you're, you have a husband now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. How, so did, have you guys always been together? Did you have another support system early on? Like, what was that like? Because I know a lot of, especially myself, I mean, if I were to ask for myself, I have two kids right now. And that's something I think about a lot as I head into practicum and starting to attend births and prenatals. Like, how do you just manage that? And what does the support system look like? Or how, what does it look like for you? And how has it changed over time? Yeah. Um, so I've always, I pretty much always owned my own business, whether it was a doula business or I had a spa for a little while or my midwifery practice. So I've always had, my husband and I have always had a lot of flexibility in our schedule and the ability to schedule things, um, you know, just kind of to create our own schedule. And so for me, if I was at a birth or something like that, my husband could be with the kids. Um, I did have one on-call nanny um, and she lived just across the neighborhood and she was awesome and the kids loved her and we run into her sometime. Miss Maria was her name. She's so, so awesome. Um, And anyhow, she just lived right across the street. And so sometimes they would, um, they would go over there if it was like a birth in the middle of the day. Um, I mean, when I was with Tony, we were easily going to five to eight birds a month. Um, Tony was also a nurse at the local hospital and sometimes they would call her in there. And so sometimes I would go in there and she would have me just shadow her like what she was doing at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I kind of just lost my train of thought with that, but (laughs) I'm sorry. So we were just talking about what was your support system like during that oh, time? Yes. And you, yes. you're okay. saying I got, you I got carried away. I got carried away. That was so interesting. So, it was basically my husband. I didn't have any parents or friends, really. It was basically my husband and Miss Maria. And um, I think that everybody in their journey to anything, midwifery or, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, you know, in life, um, everybody has different areas that are of that are challenging. Mm-hmm. And I've seen posted in groups, you know, people talking about what did you do and how did you, you know, how did you have self-care time and how did you do all of these things and have your children cared for? And and for some people that's their challenge in midwifery. Um, for me, that wasn't my challenge. That part was I didn't have trouble with the support system at all. I felt totally very, very supported. And when I look back, I'm like, I have no freaking idea, but I, all I know is that I wasn't stressed out about it. I wasn't stressed <laughs> out about it. That's a blessing. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. That's, that's all I know. That's all I'm, that's all I'm getting at. My challenge in midwifery was trusting that this was really what I was supposed to be doing mm-hmm. for years. And the reason for that was not because I didn't believe in midwifery, but the reason for that was in part because I was struggling to believe in myself and in the idea that, that I could be helping someone with something pretty incredible. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's, 
you know, trusting yourself in anything that you're doing is huge. And for me, it wasn't, I didn't have to stress about any support. I had all the support with a husband and my nanny and we had our own business so we could schedule ourselves and it worked really well. That was never my challenge. My challenge was in, um, yeah, in, in trusting myself. Yeah. Was it self-confidence? Was it like a skill that you felt challenged by? Was mm. it your intuition? Like you didn't feel like you had whatever that thing is that makes, you know, a great midwife. Could you, can you think of what it was that you felt? Um, yeah, it was definitely self-confidence. Definitely, definitely self-confidence. And yeah, definitely self-confidence. I felt um, with all the midwives that I had worked with. I mean, there were of course situations in your early practice, even as you get further along in your practice and um, that you just, you're just, all you can do is just be ready. You just have to always be ready, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that in itself is something you have to be really comfortable with in your life to be a successful midwife. You have to be able to be ready. And that means that you have to be able to no matter what you have going on in your life, you have to be able to pick up that phone and know that two humans are depending on you when you get in your car and drive to their location. Yeah. Do you think that that was a little bit of that weight? You began to feel weight, that weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So when you're kind of like, Oh my gosh, is this really what I'm, supposed to be doing? Am I really good at this? Am I really caring for these women in a safe way? Am I really doing these things, you know? Uh, And then going into their birth space and being like, wow, this is, I, you know, yeah, I have to bring my whole self, I, I have to bring my whole self forward. Everything that I know, everything that I don't know is here right now. Yeah. It's service to this family. That's a really, you got to get some real deep down uh, trust in yourself in order to, I think, really honor that space when you're, when you're with the family in that moment. And I think that there are some midwives who bring that to birth and there are other midwives who don't bring it to birth. And, and it's, it's, it's tough. And it's also, it's also this up and down thing. It's not like you're just study all the time. You're just, you know, that's just not, that's not how life works. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you might have a great time. Like, Oh, everybody else says this is so hard. And that part was really easy for you. And then you come to this other part that you're like, no way. Why is this hard? Nobody talked to me about this. What is this? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> that, that's, I mean, that's uh, yeah. That's midwifery. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is so, that is so true. Um, and I feel like that's a unique thing with being a, like a, a community midwife or out of hospital birth midwife, what you were saying about you bring your whole self, everything you know, and everything you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, I, again, I'm a student midwife in the very beginning of my, my training but just my experience in birth, I think that is something that draws me to this kind of work is that it is such like that honesty. It's in, I I don't want to put down the hospital system, but in a hospital system, you don't have to always show up because there are a lot of other people showing up with you. There's a lot of um, machinery and technology and, you know, systems that kind of work to make it so that it's almost automated 
and yeah. it's not like that in it's not like that in out of hospital birth it's like you said you must fully show up you know and obviously you said there are some midwives who don't do that and of course in every setting there's there are people who you know don't don't give up them full their full selves but I think that is something just both wonderful and I'm sure terrifying about out of hospital birth is that it's your full self fully involved and there are two people depending on you mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah. can you tell me um what is like a typical day like with you so tell us about your practice first so the name of your practice I didn't I didn't we didn't say the name of your practice yet oh. or anything like that so, <laughs> <laughs> Tell us well, some of your practice, you know, yeah. what is it like a typical day for you? How many clients do you take on each month? Yeah. Uh, where do your prenatals take place? Just give mm-hmm. us the inside scoop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my practice has just went through a dramatic, dramatic shift. And um, now um, I've always felt like very intrigued by knowing, you know, one of the classes that we had in midwifery school was the history of midwifery. And when you read about the history of midwifery, you are reading about women as, as healers and supporters. So the women who were the midwives were in essence, the healers and the supporters. So these were oftentimes the same women that mothers would go to for anything that they might have going on in life. You know, they were the spiritual council. They were the, uh, the count just they were an integral part of the community's life traditionally yeah um just like the medicine men in other types of you know areas it's it's just an extension of the natural kind of the naturally gifted people who were kind of put in this oh in midwifery you know but midwifery was being you know with the woman in in life it was, it wasn't just only the birth of the baby. That wasn't what it was. And so I felt myself kind of um, getting more into, I was studying somatic therapies and just reading about it. Then I ended up going back to school to become a soma structural integration uh, specialist. And so it just kind of started interweaving with things. So I started working with my clients, my pregnant midwifery clients. I started kind of working um, working on it with them and kind of telling them about it and asking them if they would support me as I was going through school. And, um, they were, yeah, it was awesome. And so I just started weaving, weaving that into my midwifery practice and becoming more of what I, um, the type of midwife that I wanted to be. And that's a midwife that serves women on a, on a whole, you know, on a, in a whole cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, my, my new practice name is deep medicine, um, discover the healer within. And it's a practice where I am a midwife, I'm a licensed midwife and I'm, I really am trying to just be able to be there for women in, in different areas of their life. So one of the things that I do is called, um, well, we've talked about so much structural integration um, another thing is, is, um, mother blessing ceremonies, which, oh my gosh, I love them so much, but they are basically just a mother blessing is a rekindling of ancient ways. And yeah, I've heard of mother blessings. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's just a, it's just women supporting women and really honoring 
the mother for the birth that she's, that she's going to go through and really honoring the fact that birth is hard and you're going to then have a baby and you're going to be raising this child. And it's just a way to inspire her and encourage her and, you know, let her know what, what an important thing it is for her to know that she is loved and, and cared for. And um, so I've been doing more and more mother blessings. So in terms of births right now, I went to my last birth as a private practice midwife in January. That was my final birth. And now moving forward, I'm looking to be able to serve women. But in terms of going to births as a primary midwife, I'm only going to be working with people who, you know, who maybe call me up because, you know, I served one of their friends or um, if one of my other clients is pregnant again. Um, but I want it to be, um, yeah, I, I really just want, want women to be able to call and for me to be able to, um, to guide them towards whatever it is that, that they need. Yeah. I like that a bit more organic. People are finding you, um, through, like you said, through a friend or family member or their past client. I really like that. Um, Mm -hmm. that's something I'm drawn to when, wherever I, it is that I settle down to practice. I want to really be a part of the community, what you were saying, not Mm -hmm. just there for the childbearing year, but really someone that they see on a regular basis. And I'm okay with that being, you see me at the grocery store, but I want, (laughs) (laughs) I really just want you to see me all the time and I not be just the person that you come to when you think that you're pregnant, but someone that you would come to for advice and support. And we live life together and, you know, our kids know each other. I feel a real strong pull to be truly what I consider a community midwife. And I hear a lot of that and what you're saying is like, I still want to serve people in birth, but I also just want to support them in other ways outside of that because women are multifaceted. They're not just people who push out babies. That is a wonderful part of their being. But like you said, they have trauma. They need support. They need to feel loved on. And that, that goes way beyond the childbearing year. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, what has been one of your greatest challenges in practice? Um, when, you were, when you were attending births regularly, what, um, was there something that you felt was challenging? I know you said you've had a lot of support, so maybe family support wasn't it, but um, what was that and how did you overcome that? Mm. For the first few years, um, maybe three or four years maybe of practice, they were very, um, there was not, it, it wasn't challenging. <laughs> And then all of a sudden it got so challenging. I thought I was going to have to quit doing it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Why is that? (laughs) Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, my biggest challenge is just myself, you know, (laughs) hindsight being 2020 is just, it's just me, you know, um, when people are caught up in, in fear of judgment and lack of self-confidence, those are things that I've actually really struggled with. And it can be just, it can be really, it can just be really, really challenging sometimes. And those, that, that, those two things have been one of my biggest challenges is really 
being able to be as vulnerable as I would like to be to serve women in the way that I really, really want to. And that is what my practice is opening up into now. I'm, I'm moving past those challenges now and really offering and serving how I've really, really, really wanted to. Um, so my challenge has been just not, not trusting myself, not trusting yeah. my choices, not trusting my education. Not, I mean, it goes through all different ebbs and flows, you know, yeah. um, but it, in essence, it's just a lack of self-trust. And I, I've talked to other midwives that have had, you know, I mean, similar things, different things, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. Yeah. Did you feel like you were getting burned out? Were you like driving? Like, what was it that made you feel like you might need to walk away? Was it because you weren't fulfilling this part of who you were supposed to be? Or what was that? Hmm. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of that, a little bit of just being like, gosh, I know what I need to do, but I just, I can't do it because of whatever, you know, bogus negative self-talk I would have in my head, <laughs> whatever okay. it was telling me, you know, yeah, I'd just I be testing okay. in on that. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and then, yeah, I think it was just, I think it was just realizing that I didn't need to listen to that, you know, to that self-talk, but it's, It wasn't useful, maybe. It was holding you back from what you're really it's a hard, to yeah, do. It's a hard, yes, it's a hard question for me to answer. It's, okay. yeah. I'll just leave it aside. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to have a perfect answer. You know, people aren't typically interviewing you about your life where you have to have a formulated <laughs> answer, you know, about why this thing happened or why it is the way it is. Sometimes it just is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay, so I want to ask you about your school. Can you tell us about your school, about Timber Creek? Oh, yes, absolutely. I would love to tell you about Timber Creek. So my husband, Matthew, he is, he's just an awesome, he's just an awesome, amazing human being and a, a really, he's, uh, yeah, he's just a really inspiring person. And so he uh, my husband injured his back a number of years ago, and he really just didn't know what he was going to do. You know, he was scared, not knowing what we were going to do. He had been an iron worker. He made really, really good money. And then there was this injury that really kind of came out of, you know, kind of came out of left field. And um, so he wasn't working for a while. And our kids, some of what, you know, they were homeschooled at the time. Um, we asked him one night, we were like, so, you know, what do you think? What do you think dad should be? And what do you think he should do? He can go back to school. He can learn anything. And um, they were like, oh, he should be a coach or a teacher. And I was like, huh, you know, we're thinking about that. And he's like, no, teacher, no. <laughs> like that, that's, you know, really not me. So, um, so anyway, he got the opportunity to go back to school. We had looked into, um, we had just brought, bought our property, which we named Timber Creek Farm and Forest. Um, it's about five and a half acres in Sumner. And half of it is farmland and the other half is forest. And so we thought, well, maybe, you know, he loves, Matt loves being outdoors and he, he loves kids. And so 
he thought, well, maybe we could do something on the land, like for the summertime, like a summer program for kids, a summer camp for kids. So we kind of started researching that. And then we fell on this school that was on Vashon Island, which was the very first um, fully outdoor kindergarten in Washington state. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's on Vashon Island. And he went, well, he went back to traditional college. And then he also went and did his student teaching at the school on Vashon, which is called Cedar Song. Mm-hmm. And his second day there, he calls me and he's like, oh my gosh, babe. He's like, this is, this is like, it's really crazy. And I was like, I was worried. I was like, crazy. What are you talking about? (laughs) And he just, he just couldn't even describe how different it was, how he saw the mentors and teachers there interact with the children, you know, than how we typically see people interact with children. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it was an outdoor program and yes, it's part of nature, but even the bigger part of that is really, really connecting with the children and connecting with them in such a way that they can, they can delight and joy in nature, mm-hmm. you know, in nature and the thing that sustains us, you know? Um, and so we started Timber Creek Farm and Forest uh, five years ago. I think it's five years this summer. And yeah, we're nature preschool and kindergarten. The whole day is spent outside we have kids from three and a half to eight and like right now spring is just in um the kids have been helping to till and spread seeds and cover it with straw so the birds don't eat it um we have I one of our goats that. so the kids just really get to come out here and be in a space that again it's it's full circle it's not just about you know learning outside in nature. It's about being in nature, being with yourself, being with those around you, really, really experiencing, experiencing life. I love that. I think that's so important as well, that kids stay in, in connection or in community with nature and with outside. We, my, both of my girls were born um, on islands. So one of my daughters was born in Puerto Rico. The one, other one was born on Guam. And we moved here um, almost two years ago for my husband's job and also for Midwest City School. And the life that they, we lived in Puerto Rico and Guam was so in connection with nature from how we slept and what we did throughout the day and how we ate and all of that and coming here for us, because it was a very different environment and climate, it took us time to find how to do that again in this community or in this like ecosystem. We were living in the city for a while and now we live just outside the city, but um, we're lacking that for a good like, year when we first moved here, that connection that they had. They spent they used to spend all their time outside in the sun, eat in the sun, um, mm-hmm. hang out and play under the, under the stars and put their feet in the water all the time. And so coming here and getting an opportunity to move outside the city and just be a little bit closer to nature. Now we have a backyard and they have trees and playhouse and all that kind of stuff. I can just see the fulfillment that they have and the joy that they have. And there's an independence. I think that children gain through being outside. There's this sense of that they are capable. Um, the inside environment is kind of an adult world. You know, the countertops are high. Everything mm-hmm. is up high. Everything is meant for an adult to do it for the child for the most part. 
and outside is kind of like this equal playing field. They can easily dig in the dirt. They can easily pull things from the trees. They can climb up the trees. They can touch the animals. And so just the idea of your school just sounds so wonderful. So I'm so happy that your husband found his place, you know, providing that for children, you know, when it may have seemed like, you know, like something he would have never done at first, but he found it and he found his, his calling, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of his buddies, you know, they're all ironworker buddies, you know, strong. And yeah, I think they were really like, what the heck? I have him smoking at home. What is going on? (laughs) But the cool thing, the cool thing is that now his friends, all of his friends are so supportive. I mean, we have a farm. They help bring food for the pigs. They come out and help with the hop spines. They Um, I mean, our one buddy, Tim, we grew hops one year and the kids, um, we put the hops in a little satchel because hops can help you sleep at night. Mm -hmm. And so all the kids took some home in a little satchel and they really learn about what all these things are. But Mm -hmm. um, but in addition to that, our buddy that, you know, helps feed the pigs, he picked a bunch of the hops and when him and his wife got married, they made their beer for their wedding all from the Timber Creek hops oh which my goodness yeah, that is it's so cool <laughs> yeah it was just really I mean to be at their wedding drinking that um and the barley too we grew barley here that got used in the beer so it was really awesome because the nature school totally took part in all of that you know they yeah. tended those, those little those little tendrils and and um yeah yeah so it's, yeah, it's that's, really cool. that is <laughs> so cool I I don't know. I feel like talking to you, I'm connected on so many levels. There's so many things I'm thinking as you speak. I feel like like attending someone's wedding and drinking the beer that came from your farm, like pieces of your farm, that just seems like so how community is supposed to be, you know, like, because, you know, if there's nothing wrong with, you know, how a normal wedding happens where you go and you buy kegs from places, but the idea that you brought something to them that was like a part of your world and you nursed their world and allowed them to enjoy it just seems so, like I said, so natural, like how it's supposed to be. And I love it. Like I'm someone who loves handmade gifts, even if someone's like not very good at sewing, if they sew me something, I find that to be way more exciting and wonderful than if you buy me like new I don't know, headphones or something from, from <laughs> Apple. Like yeah. I just really yeah. enjoy yeah. something homemade. And I love that. I love that you guys are living this really integrated life where, yeah. you know, what you do for fun and what you do for work and your community all kind of intertwines, mm-hmm. intertwines with one another. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're almost at the end. Um, I have yeah. a couple of questions I want to ask you, but is there anything yeah. else that you want to share before we wrap up? <gasps> Oh, I have just, I love talking to you. I hope I get to talk to you more. I am really excited. I got to share a little bit of what my experience has been. Hopefully it's inspiring to some people. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I'm so excited that we got to chat. And I do think that like, there are some people I know who are students, midwives as well with me, who I think are struggling with um, self-doubt or you know that kind of those kind of feelings and so I think that your story is really powerful and will help them and encourage them um and then oh we need I'm gonna I would like at some point in time to come and visit (laughs) you guys down there 
Yes, um, I would love that. That would be awesome. I know my girls would love it. My girls want to have a farm one day. And oh, we, how, old are they? how old are they? They're six and four. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah my oldest it. is really into wanting to have a farm lately. And we went to a farm this last weekend and she got to hold chickens and baby chicks and feed pigs. And she just was in love. And I mean, my dream one day is for my husband and our whole family to settle in Puerto Rico somewhere on a large piece of land and have my midwifery practice there and all kinds of other integrated modalities all there to serve pregnant women and their families. But I also want to have a farm. I want to grow cacao and coffee and have a couple of goats and stuff. So you're really inspiring me you and your husband. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. My husband, he, he does, he does 99% of the farm, farm stuff, him and some of his buddies, his buddies that come and help. And then when we're down there with the nature school, you know, we do mm-hmm. some things, but, but he's, he's really the farmer. You know, I really, I really, yeah, we just serve in different ways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did your husband have experience in farming before? No, his dad was a total green thumb from what I understand. His brothers are too. And um, they used to, you know, kind of have like a cow in their backyard. And his dad used to grow beautiful, beautiful gardens. And so he got that from his dad. But no, this big level farming is definitely a learning, a learning experience being his side as the farmer and my end as the farmer's wife, because <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a pretty serious situation when you've got pigs and goats and chickens and acreage and, yeah. and, you know, parasites and all the other crazy things that come along with having a farm. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, kudos to him. He sounds like, it, it sounds like you guys are doing wonderful. Though, and you guys are complimenting each other with your skills. Yeah. So I would like to know if you have any advice for aspiring midwives or student midwives, if you could just, you know, give a little tip or insight or encouragement. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, on the spot, mm, just trust yourself, trust yourself. Because once you start trusting yourself in one area, that will start to infuse all areas. And then when you come to an area where you can't trust and you feel like you're having trouble trusting your own judgment, look into that, feel that, don't run away from that, Um, work through it. So then you can move on to that next level because, um, yeah, that's, that's what being a midwife, what really, really being... Um, a person who loves people, that's really what it is, is really finding the best in yourself, seeing the best in yourself and what, what you offer to other people and what they offer to you. If, if we all are trusting ourselves, if we're all trusting ourselves or trying our best to trust ourselves all the time, mm-hmm. I mean, imagine how great the world would be. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question. Tell me something that you're enjoying right now or that you're reading just a little something that you know yes it's exciting Um, right now so yeah so right now I'm reading a book called uh pelvic liberation Mm -hmm. Um, it's by a gal named Leslie Howard she is a um, yoga therapist and she created 
something called um, pelvic floor yoga. And um, in concert with um, Harvard College um, and one other college, there was the study done on how certain yoga poses and moves can help to free, release, and heal the pelvic floor. And so they actually did this study with the yoga for pelvic floor program that she created. Mm -hmm. um, they did a study and they found that almost 80% of women had some improvement, if not a lot of improvement from doing the pelvic floor yoga. Um, so I'm reading her book. I've went through her program. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's really, really incredible. So it's really for any, any woman that has had, I mean, anything, urinary incontinence, pain during intercourse, um, bowel incontinence, um, just having uh, cramps every month that are really, really bad, having low back and hip pain. A lot of that is tied into the pelvic floor. And as women, we hold a lot in the pelvic floor. That's just, <laughs> that's where we carry things is in our pelvic floor. Um, and so anyhow, this book, highly recommend it. It is the yoga program that I use for my pelvic floor therapy, which, which is something else that I do. Um, but it's an awesome book. It's super inspiring. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you, Tamika, so much for being on the podcast. Can you tell us like where we can find you online? Are there places where people can connect with you or? Yes. So I just changed my practice name. Um, I have my website right now. Um, you can contact me through there. The website is deepmedicinehealing.com. Um, my email is deepmedicinehealing at gmail.com. And I'm just about to get my Deep Medicine Facebook page up. And then I'm going to be officially taking down my midwifery exclusive page. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you want to find out more about all the things that I offer, um, you can definitely go to my website, which is Deep Medicine Healing. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited that um, that you got in touch with me. And, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And thank you for being so quick to respond and being willing to be on. I know you're busy and you have family and life stuff going on. So I'm just really appreciative that you took the time to chat with me. Oh, yeah. It was my pleasure. The kids were all like, oh, mom's going to be on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love it. I love it. I hope that we get to talk some more. I would love to, I would love to talk to you. Yeah. Me too. Okay. Thank you so All right. much. Have a great Thank night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It was exciting to connect with Tanika and learn about her way of practicing as a midwife and her journey to becoming a midwife. I was really inspired by her bravery to transition her practice into something new that aligned more with what she was looking for. And then I was also really excited to hear about how she um, found that support wasn't her biggest struggle because I think that a lot of midwives with families are finding that support is the biggest struggle. But for her, uh, the biggest struggle was self-doubt, which I hear from many of my cohort mates as well. And so to hear how she overcame that and how it is still a part of how she deals with things and you know something that she keeps in mind when she feels a block um, I think is really important because it's an important thing to remember as we make this journey that we are never fully 
developed that we're always a work in progress and that self-doubt or whatever our struggle is can continually be there and is something that we have to continually work through and um, it was really just exciting to hear her talk about that and how she's worked through it and how she's continuing continuing to work through that so I'm so excited that you're listening and if you love this podcast I would appreciate it if you would leave a review um, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much every platform that's out there. And so if you would just take a quick moment and look in your podcast app for the place to leave a review and just share what you're loving about the podcast, I would be so appreciative. So if you leave a good review, other people can find this podcast and then it allows me to a little bit of motivation and excitement to create a new one because I like to know that people are actually listening to the podcast and finding it useful. Um, if there are any recommendations or midwives that you would like me to interview, please email me at hello at angelicamalone.com. So that's H-E-L-L-O at A-N-J-E-L-I-C-A-M-A-L-O-N-E.com. And just let me know of a midwife that you think would be great for the podcast or actually have them email me because then I know that they're on board for being um, a guest on the podcast. You can also connect with me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at Angelica Malone, just my name, A-N-J-E-L-I-C-A-M-A-L-O-N-E. And I cannot wait to chat with you again and share another interview with you. I am so thankful for you listening and I will be back soon. Talk to you later. Bye.